You are listening to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center's Pastors Scott and Tina Whitwam. Hallelujah. Go with me to Matthew 28. I want to read verses 18 and 20 to get started this morning. We're going to call this message, Go Into, or Go to All Nations. You know, as we get ready to embark on this, this new year, this is Mission Sunday, as we get ready to embark on this, this new year, we have so much to be grateful for in this country. But, you know, many people are so focused on themselves that they miss the real blessings in life. And I've met many of them. Unhappy, always striving for something that's never going to come. But the joy of reaching and touching other people, whether it's physically, whether it's financially, but with the gospel, because it changes lives. It changes a person's situation. It changes a person's life. It changed my life. And if it can change my life, it can change anybody's life. I mean, I... I was, I was so broke. My family was so broke. You know, when you're a kid, you don't really realize how broke you are. But, you know, when my dad left my mom, you know, I left my mom with, with four kids. And he was the breadwinner. You know, back in 1970, most women didn't work. They raised the kids. They didn't focus on getting Harvard degrees or, you know, community college degrees or you know, learning professions. They raised the kid. And so when my dad left, it really impacted us. But it wasn't long before the kids in school started telling me how poor I was. Started pointing it out. You remember those old scratchy patches that mom would iron on your pants? Both knees, legs, you know. I mean, Good, Goodwill was, was our department store kind of thing, you know. I mean, we had a lot of hand-me-downs. But you don't realize that stuff when you're a kid. But when I found out I didn't have to be poor anymore, you know, Pete, it, it's a great feeling when the bank sends you a letter and says, paid in full. That's the same letter my father sent me. It said, paid in full, son, enter in. Enter in to all I have. I've paid it in full. God, God does miraculous things in every area of our life. Some of them so exceeding, you know, you look back and go, wow, wow. If I wasn't a faith man, I wouldn't believe that happened. You know what I mean? But I know my God. I know my God. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. And it says, and Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Father, I thank you that you never leave us. You truly are with us until the end of the age. And you gave us your word, which never returns void, but always accomplishes what it was sent to do. And, and just as importantly, it prospers in the thing for which it was sent. And I thank you, Lord, that you have given us all authority. All the authority that's in heaven and in earth, you've given it to us. Father, let us not despise it or waste it, but let us use it to promote the kingdom 
to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to let the poor know that they don't have to be poor anymore. Give sight to the blind, Father, to, to lift up those who have less and help to put their feet on solid ground. Father, that they can experience the Zoe, the God kind of life. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' mighty name. So the Great Commission, you've heard it talked about, but, but, but what is it? Because, see, we don't really see that word in the Bible, or that phrase in the Bible, the Great Commission. We know that it must be important because it's been established to be great. It's not just a commission, but it's a great commission. To commission means to give a formal written warrant or directive granting the power to perform various acts or duties. I mean, that describes what Jesus did. He gave us a directive. He says, obey my commands. And it shouldn't be very tough for you because I have given you all authority in order to obey all my commands. Now go to all the nations and baptize them. You know that word baptize doesn't have anything to do with water. But if you say baptize, the first thing people think about is a tub of water, a pool or something like that. The word baptize means to overwhelm. The actual Greek translation would be whelm. Baptize, generally we do it in water, because that's how Jesus did it. You know, John came baptizing in the Jordan. But what this command is, is to go and overwhelm the nations in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that would include bringing them into the kingdom, baptizing them in water. Because remember, baptism is an outward profession of something that they believe on the inside. And then baptizing them in the Holy Spirit and releasing their heavenly language so that they can communicate. He said that you would speak with other tongues. Jude says that, hey, when we pray in tongues, we're building ourselves up in our most holy faith. You'd think he'd know something. He was a stepbrother of Jesus. Think he'd seen a thing or two or learned a thing or two. In the time Jesus was here. So think about this a little bit. This commission is a written warrant. When a police officer receives a warrant or a directive to arrest somebody, they are bound to do so. I mean, it's not an option. My family was in law enforcement. When they got a warrant for your arrest, generally they're not going to come up to the door and go, Hey, I'm just checking to see how you're doing today. Got a warrant for your arrest, but today I just thought I'd see if, if, if you're feeling okay, and I'll be back to do something about this later. No. you. How many watch cops? Right? I mean, when they got a warrant for somebody's arrest, there they are. They're in body armor. They got the big battle ram, you know. They come in in their big black uh, SUVs. Sometimes they even bring the SWAT truck. I used to, when I was, a, when I was a, a kid, you know, in junior high stuff, I used to love to watch that TV show, SWAT. <laughs> but when you got, when there's a warrant, it's something serious. See, and we've been given a warrant, something very serious, just like police officers. 
And Jesus is saying, obey my commands. This isn't, this isn't an option. It's not uh, an if you feel like it directive. He says, I've given you authority. Go to all of the nations with this warrant I've given you, this directive I've given you, and exercise it. I remember one time, I was in, in the ministry offices, and uh, I got a call from the receptionist, and she said, uh, there's police officers here, can you come up and talk to them? Right? And so, sure, you know, I don't know what they're there for, so I come up uh, into the reception area, and uh, the person... The, the officer asked me if I was Scott, and I said, yeah, I'm Scott. I said, how are you doing? I'm glad to meet you. And she shook my hand, and in one swoop, put me in handcuffs. And I'm saying, uh, can you tell me what this is about? It would be kind of nice to know what I'm getting arrested for. We have a warrant for your arrest. Something to do with child support. I said, Really? I said, I have two of my kids working here today, and the other one's in the Navy. Never not paid child support because I've never been divorced. And then they said, well, are you Scott so-and-so? I said, no, but he does work here. And if you take the handcuffs off, I will go get him for you. (laughs) But they had a warrant, and they were exercising it. I remember one time, my pastor at the time, um, who was... He was overseeing Pastor Tina and my, our ministry internship programs. He was on the way to church in his car, and the road that he would travel down was, it, it was probably 10 miles of just straight road, you know, up, down, through the woods. But it was straight. It was through the woods, just up, down, straight. And he was speeding. I mean, go figure. Right? So he gets pulled over by a Washington State patrol officer. You know, and then the officer comes up and says, can I have your license and registration, please? And got his license and registration, went back and had run it. He had the exact same name as somebody a warrant had just been issued for. So he was taken out of the car, put in handcuffs, and put in the back of the police cruiser. And had to sit there for over a half hour while they tried to clear up What was going on? Why? Because there was a warrant and the officer wasn't taking any chances as to who it was. Saying that, no, I'm pastor so-and-so, the pastor of the church just down the road. Wasn't good enough. The officer had a warrant for their arrest. Well, we have a warrant to take this gospel. It's not an if you would like to, but it is a command for us. It is a commission. I mean, if you think about it, if you were in the military and you received a commission to go do something, you don't just say, well, admiral or general, that's not really what I want to do this week. You know, I've decided I want to be in shore patrol or I want to fly F-15s today. That's not the way it works. Because if you thought it worked that way, you would see what kind of warrant the military has. And you'd get a close-up view of military patrol as they put you in the brig. Amen? And that's what we've been given. But most Christians look at this commission as if we happen to have time, 
if it's convenient for us, or if the circumstances are just perfect. You know, if my sister would just come, get on her knees, and say, I need God, then I'd, I'd witness to her. I'd help lead her to the Lord, you know? That isn't how things work in this world, folks. It's not. That's why Jesus said to Peter, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I don't know how many of you have ever been fishing, but very rarely do you get out in your boat and the fish just jump right in. Now, my dad used to tell me stories about the Columbia River and steelhead fishing during the runs where sometimes they would get into them and he says the fish would just jump right into your boat. Okay, I never saw it, but he never quit telling the story. Now, I have had fish jump into the boat when I've had them hooked. You know, salmon running, and they're they're trying to get off the hook, and they run to the boat, and they come out of the water to try to shake the hook, and I've had them jump into the boat. But I've never just floated out in the water and had them jump in the boat. I've never just flung my door open on a Thursday morning And had people from the neighborhood just start coming in saying, where's God? We need him. No, you have to go fishing. In fact, if you remember that Peter and John and their crews had been out fishing all night and caught nothing. Dropping the nets. Holding the nets in. Empty. All night long. Right? Why do they go fishing at night? Because the fish can't see the nets. But here's Jesus in the day saying, just go over there. Just push out, launch out one more time and let down your nets. See, they, they were doing the act of fishing. It's hard work. And when you put the hard work with the anointing, it gives you the capability now of fulfilling your commission. Because what happened when Jesus said, hey, go. They didn't just two out in their boat and wait for fish to jump in. No, it says they dropped down their nets. And then they pulled up the catch. See, that's what we're supposed to do. We've been commissioned to go fishing. But we've got to prepare the nets. You know, that's discipleship. We've got to get the boat ready. Then we launch out. Right? There's some work involved. We've got to drop the nets down. We've got to lay the anchors. We've got to prepare. We've got to know, know the, the, what we're doing. Because with this commission, there is a prescribed command to act in a prescribed manner. Jesus has told us what to do and where to do it. I mean, I've done that before. Where somebody says, hey, the fish are biting over here. They're like, well, yeah, but I don't like fishing over there. I'm going over here. You wonder why after two or three hours you haven't caught anything. You know, you're casting and... I haven't got anything. Fish, fishing is good over here. See, we've been commissioned, and we need to use that commission in order to impact this world. It isn't by happenstance. It's not by when I feel like it. The command is to go. But most of us don't go anywhere. No, we sneak into church. We try to find the same seat we sat in, you know, for the last 15 years. We get upset when somebody takes it because they got here a little earlier to us than we did. And then we sneak out of church so that we can get wherever it is we need to go, maybe be first in line at the Golden Corral. We're not worried about the commission. But see, we are to go. 
and we're supposed to go to the nations. Now, somehow, in my Christian life, this has been told that means I'm supposed to go to other nations. We're supposed to go to other nations. That's what they were talking about. But really, this, this Greek word, uh, nations, is the, is the word ethnos. It means tribe or ethnicity. So, for example, there are 22 federally recognized tribes in Arizona, Native American tribes in Arizona. Did you know that? 22. There are 29 federally recognized tribes in the state of Washington, where I'm from, which made it really good and easy to get the big fireworks. I'm just throwing that in, just saying, because they all sold the big stuff. And... uh, But there are 574 federally recognized tribes in just the United States of America alone. Within each of these tribes are people of different ethnos, ethnicities. We used to live right on the edge of the Chehalis Nation. And we would meet people because of marriage and life and, and the U.S. and the ability to travel. We would meet people from all different uh, backgrounds. You know, some of them uh, would be Samoan, and some of them would be Quinault, and you know, they're all over the place. The people with different ethnoses, different tribes. In the United States, within these 50 states and the five plus the five territories we have, plus the islands that we also protect, we are a melting pot of tribes and ethnos. The United States of America is a vast mission field, often overlooked, because everybody thinks we're supposed to go to all nations. we got to go to Africa. we got to go to China. we got to go to the Philippines, Vietnam, Cambodia. we got to go to South America, to Venezuela, Peru, all these different places. We have to go to these places because we're supposed to go to the other nations. But we're supposed to be going to the other ethnoses. I would imagine just within this congregation, if we were to do, uh, what is that company, the Ancestry, if we were to do our Ancestry backgrounds of all the people here, we would find out that our ethnos is very vast with just the people that are in here. My wife is Aleutian, you're Navajo, you're of the Queensland, right, Queens, New York, that's got to be an ethnos. You got your own language. (laughs) But we are a vast nation, a melting pot of different ethnoses. See, you and I are called to the nations, to the ethnos groups, to all of the peoples. Because remember when Paul and Silas. They, they went to the Gentiles, but they came back and met with the apostles and said, hey, look, this is who God's called us to. And, and Peter and James and, uh, said, hey, you know what? If God's opened you that door, then you go to the ethnos. You go to the nations. Take this gospel of Christ and us to the Jews. But we are called to a vast world that starts right here in our own backyard. And we have been commissioned. We have been commissioned and empowered. We have been called right here. 
Remember that Jesus came for his own first. People say, well, that seems kind of selfish that, that you would say that, that there's a mission field in the United States. Well, Jesus didn't have a problem coming to Israel and saying, this is my, this is my mission field. Remember when the Samaritan woman talked to him, he says, if you knew who, if you knew who it was you were talking to, you know, she already said, what is it you're, you're doing, a Jew talking to me, a Samaritan? He says, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask water of me, and I would give you living water. You remember when the woman came crying and, at Jesus' feet and washing his feet with his, his tears, and he, and he basically, he called her a dog, and he, she, but she says, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. Daughter, be of good cheer. Thy faith. See, but he came first to Israel. He came first to his own. What's wrong with coming to our own? What's wrong with, with, with re- reaching our nation? Maybe it's one of the reasons why America is having the issues that it is, because we forgot about the fact that this is a mission field and that there is an ethnos here and that we've been called to it. We've been so focused on other things. I mean, not unlike a parent who's so focused on other things that they forget about their children. Their children basically grow up as latchkey kids without parents. I thank my God for my wife. When we got married, we discussed having kids early so that when we were in our 40s, we could go into full-time ministry and be able to travel. And that she was willing to pour her life into our children. We trusted God. Trust me, there were a lot of lean years. I mean, I, rice and beans, that would have been an upgrade. We literally ate potatoes for a month because living in Washington, you could get Idaho potatoes in these big 20-pound bags for just a couple bucks. We had them hashed. We had them sliced. We had them baked. We had them, you know, however you can make potatoes, we had them, and that's what we ate. I know what lean times are like. I mean, I grew up in lean times. There were many times we only lived in a place for six months. Somebody says, why? Because that's when the creditors caught up with us. Time to move again. Time to move again. Time to move again. So I thank my God for my wife that, that she raised our kids and was able to, to pour into them. And when, our, when we moved our kids from... Uh, homeschooling, and a couple times we had them in private school while we were traveling in the ministry, but when, when we quit homeschooling and we put them into public school, we got involved. Did you let your kids go to school dance? Oh, yeah. We were the chaperones. Let your kids go on field trips? Oh, yeah. We traveled with them. Coached sports? I mean, we were there. I was on the school board. We were there. But I thank, my, I thank God for my wife because she was able to pour her life into our children. Well, wouldn't it have been better if you had two incomes? It would have been my, immensely financially better. But I will not trade that. We had no terrible twos. We had no troubled teens. You know, I'll take because this. We patterned it after this. We said, hey, we got a mission field right here in our own household. Let's focus on it first. In Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 18, it says, And Jesus said to them, Go into all the world and preach this gospel to every creature. 
He who believes will be baptized and saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow them who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. That was an awesome testimony, Michael. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. You know, I love having healing service here every month. But you know, laying hands on the sick is intended for those who are unsaved. You're intended to walk in divine health. You should be being healed by faith. Because that's the victory that overcomes the world. Your faith. This commission has empowered us. It has given us everything we need to do about it. So we often talk about you know, uh, missions and mission offerings. But what is missions? Eric or uh, Amber, can you bring that slide up for me? What is missions? Missions is a specific task which a person or group is charged, it, a calling or vocation for which a body of persons are sent to perform a service or carry on an activity, such as a ministry commissioned by a religious organization to propagate faith. doesn't say anything about going overseas, going to other nations. Mission established... A, establishment, a local church or parish dependent on a larger religious organization for direction or financial support, organized missionary work, a course of sermons or services given to convert an unchurched or quickened Christian faith, and the act or an instance of sending. See, go into. I love those maps that the pastor made. Go into. We're supposed to go into all the world including right here. And there are three ways that, that it's easy to go into all the world. You can go in person. You can go in person to your friends or from coworker to coworker, door to door, or by divine appointment. Pastor Thor was laying in the hospital bed with pneumonia fighting COVID, and he got the head RN to say the sinner's prayer. I mean, that guy goes into all the world like nobody I've ever seen. He is always witnessing. He is always taking the gospel with him. And anytime anybody opens the door, he steps right into it. Maybe at the grocery store, the hospital, the gym, on a business trip, playground, etc. See, the mission field is right before us. And many times we're thinking... You know, I can't go on a mission trip because I can't afford the airplane ticket. And I can't afford this. See, you're putting all the cants on God. When God said that there is nothing impossible to him who believes. And yet he spread a mission field right out before us. And yes, you can go on short-term and long-term missions. You can even go on permanent missions. You know, a short-term mission is typically something under 30 days. You go on a 30-day trip. And with Grace International, they have several short-term mission opportunities every year that you could go on if you wanted to go. You can go on a long-term mission for a year or two years. Some people get the calling to go to the Congo, and, and they move there. They make it permanent. This is where God sent them. This is their mission field. 1988, I went on my first short-term mission trip to the Philippines, and it changed me. You start going around the world, you know, Eastern Europe, Southeast Asia, uh, some places in South America, and you start to see some of the things that are going on. It'll change you. Then you start looking at the poor in America and going, they're not poor. 
They're not poor. There are resources here. You know, you have people out holding up signs. You know, I'm going to die if you don't give me a buck or whatever it says. And they pull out iPhones that are worth more than my, than my devices. They got a nicer sneakers than, than I'm wearing. And that's the poor. I went on my first mission trip, though, in 1988, and it changed me. Changed me forever. When you start seeing houses made out of sheet metal that was left behind by the, by the military, and that's what they are, and the sewers running right down next to it, and you're going back into the, to those areas and all of the, the little burrows and stuff. When I first met Pastor Fred Osmussen, who's uh, responsible for our Philippines work, uh, over there, and, and I was over with, with him and Pastor Santos the first time. It was probably around 2000, I guess. Uh, and we were over there, and we were talking about camps. And they said, well, normally what we do with our camps is we just go up into the hills, and the parents stay up all night to make sure the pythons don't come in, uh, because sometimes, you know, they want to come in, and the kids are little, and, and I'm like, ah, we're changing that. You know, so we made a deal with the Philippines Missionary Institute where we could use their campus and their dorms and those kind of things. You see that kind of stuff. They're trying to get them away from their inner city problems and get them out where they can, can minister to them, have a youth camp. But there's opportunity uh, out there. You can be in, number two, you can be involved in missions by being part of the coordination, the administration, the home base, the missions team. Who's going to promote what you're doing? Stuff the envelopes or the boxes. You know, when, when Laura and Pat and Pastor Tina, you know, they did the Samaritan purse boxes. That's a lot of work. Getting it all together, getting it labeled, getting the boxes in, making sure they all come back, finding out who forgot to put shipping in and, and figuring out where we're going to coordinate and get the shipping money and all of that stuff. Somebody's got to do that. That's the administrative part, the coordination and the administrative part of it. Working an info table and handing out uh, missions information. You know, Grace International is in 107 countries. Our organization has a lot of missions work that we can be involved with. You can be involved by booking travel, coordinating trips or supplies. And lastly, if you can't do any of those things, you can be involved by supporting financially. But I do want to say this, this is not just an excuse to be lazy I'll throw five bucks in the mission offering when it comes by once a month, and I'll feel good that I helped out in missions. Like everything else we do in life, our financial giving to missions should be directed by the Holy Spirit. You may be surprised if you're praying about how much to give, that God may say, well, why are you giving? Why don't you put that in savings and uh, contact so-and-so about going on a little mission trip with them? They need help. They need somebody to go for a week or ten days. Somebody else may be getting ready to put $5 in. The Lord may speak to him and say, no, you, you've got more than that. You spent more than that on Starbucks this morning on the way to church. We always need to be led by the Holy Spirit in what we do. Amen? I do believe that missions should start at your local church, your congregation. See, there's power in multiplication and doing things together. There is a synergy. And the Greek word for synergy, literally means working together. There is, there is power. It builds enthusiasm among those who you get around who are enthused or excited about what you're doing. 
I mean, there was excitement around raising you know, money for the auction for, for the Navajo Christmas and, and the sock tree. And why? Because people were talking about it and people were invested in it. And, and it was encouraging. It's in the announcements. There's synergy with that. We can do it together. So I always believe that missions should start with your local congregation. And our missions field is everything that we do to reach the community. The garage sale, the car show, the fireworks stands, those are, those are all missions opportunities. People go, well, pastor, you know, that's not why you're doing them. You raise money at the booth, you raise money at the, fire, the fireworks stand. Yes, we can do more of it. Do you know that the fireworks stands have never paid one bill inside this church? So we're not doing it so that we can pay our mortgage. We're not doing it so that we can keep the lights on. We're not doing it to pay the water bill. We're using that money in order to reach people. And whatever it takes to reach people, that's our mission. It's part of our mission. It's one of our missions. So let's make sure that we continue to be spirit-led in everything that we do. Because that will have the greatest impact. That will have the greatest impact on this world. That will have the greatest impact in bringing the ethnos, those of different tribes, different tongues, into the kingdom of God. Amen? Let me close with this, with this scripture in Matthew 24, 14. And it says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all of the world as a witness to all nations before the end will come. Amen? Amen. Now, we're getting ready to take up our missions offering this month for Israel. We have purposely set up the, the calendar, the schedule, that January will be for Israel. The first is always God's. That's, that's the, les, the lesson that Joshua was taught. The first is always God's. Oh, you remember the story when Achan... You have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwam. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, your word says, If I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-4321. That's 480-545-4321. Or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at valorcc.com. Or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.